And when God opens this next door, you're going to understand why the enemy fought you so hard. Yo, this is Life in Perspective, episode 21, The Posture of Pursuit. Let's get it. Welcome to Life in Perspective. Y'all, I have a special treat for you this episode. I was going to record an episode and then I just felt like I should share this moment with all of my lifers. Um, So last night for the very first time on a church platform... I preached a sermon. So it was my very first sermon. I preached it September 1st, 2021. And it is definitely a marker moment in my life. And so I wanted to not just share the moment with you, but share the word that God placed on my heart. It came straight from heaven. It wrecked me. It wrecked everybody who has listened to it so far. And I just love the intentionality of the Lord, man, that he loves us so much that he would correct us only to draw us closer. So make sure you guys listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. Here it is, the posture of pursuit. Amen. Jesus, I love you. He wants me to tell you that he loves you too. He is ever mindful of you. Oh, hey, y'all. So, man, first of all, Pastor Ann is like a blanket of love. Like, you just brought the wave of the love of God in here. Like, I feel all warm and fuzzy. (laughs) So good. All right. So, um... When I was partnering with the Lord and asking him what he wanted to say to us tonight, the word that came to mind was the pursuit. And when I thought of the pursuit, two things came to mind. Uh, One of them was, I remembered I saw a video of a cheetah pursuing a gazelle. It looked a lot like this. And I remember watching the video and how like, The cheetah is very intentional in its pursuit of the gazelle. It recognizes that this is the only way that me and my family is going to eat. The amazing thing about this picture is that there is a herd of gazelle, but the cheetah waits and watches and sets its eye on one gazelle. And it goes after that gazelle like it's the last gazelle it'll ever see. It's not distracted by the fact that there are five other gazelles. Because I could imagine a cheetah going, oh wait, one over here, one over here. It would never catch it. But it sets its eyes on one and it goes after. I'm like, yo, that, that cheetah is very, very intentional. The next thing I thought about the pursuit, I thought about how a guy pursues a woman because you know, all right? We waiting, we waiting, we waiting, waiting. <laughs> and so what came to my mind was this. Yeah, I'm sorry, y'all gonna get this black love in here, all right? You're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. <laughs> you're gonna get it. So it reminded me of a story, okay? So a guy pursuing a girl. I'm out with my friend. We go on this boat ride with a group of friends and she meets a guy. Like, we all was on the boat, and she meets a guy. And y'all, he was asking her questions. Like, it was the last time he was gonna be in her presence. 
he, I mean, he asked her intimate, vulnerable questions. He didn't care who was there. He asked, I mean, I can't even tell y'all the stuff he asked because I was there and I was like, bro, you know we here? Like, we here. And we can hear you. We can hear you. But y'all, I was so amazed by it because he was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. Go ahead. We, we're not going to let it distract us. All right. So, so we, um, so I'm like, yo, he's really asking her all these questions like we not here. And I was like, man, what I found in common with the gazelle and with homeboy is that they both approached that situation like they were never going to have another opportunity to do it. I mean, he was asking her questions like, Lord, I really think I found my wife and I don't know if I'll ever see her again. So I need to ask her all the questions I could think of to make sure that she remembers me and I remember her and I don't know if I'm going to get this moment again. The gazelle, I mean, the leopard, the cheetah goes after the gazelle like he's never going to eat again. But they were intentional about what they wanted. I recognize that they both waited, but they both approached the opportunity like this is the moment I've been waiting for. There was intentionality and what they both did. And so I'm like, okay, God, here's the pursuit. I got it. Ooh, the pursuit. Then I got the posture of pursuit. Because if we look at this gazelle, he's very focused, but he's also low. And if we look at the other picture, he is staring at that woman intently like, I'm after something. And so it made me ask myself, when I approach a moment in the presence of the king, do I approach it with intentionality or am I casual? Do I approach it like it's the only moment I'll get so I need to get everything out of it? Or do I just show up and whatever happens, happens? No, because I don't think I attain a result like that if I just show up. I need to have intentionality. So when I looked at the word posture, it is a particular way of dealing with or considering something, an approach or an attitude. Pursuit, to strive, to reach or gain, to go after, chase, to seek. Hmm, seek week, seek night, seek, to seek. (laughs) To use measure to obtain, measure to obtain. And so I'm like, Here's how things work with me, okay? The Lord says something and then we go on this journey of questions. So I'm like, Lord, what story in the Bible, what story in your word, your living word, could we apply to our lives today to find a picture of what our posture of pursuit of your presence should be? And then he led me to a little story called the woman with the issue of blood. So let's go to Luke 8, verses 40 through 48. interesting because we know that there's four gospels and this was in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I guess John didn't want to tell this story, but um, Luke told it the best. And so we'll read it and then we'll, we'll let the Lord work. All right. So verse 40, when Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus's feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. 
And Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her. A large crowd surrounded him. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me. Who was it? While they all denied it, I would be Peter. He pointed out, master, everyone is touching you, trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. You want to ask us who touched you? I, I, would be, I would be Peter. Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power surged through me. Someone touched me to be healed and they received their healing. There's another version of it that says someone touched me deliberately. When the woman realized she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus's feet. I'm seeing a theme here and I think it started last night when Pastor John told us that believers live at the feet of Jesus. I don't know, I don't know. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your garment, I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me released your healing. You may go in peace. Honestly, we could end right there. And we could, we could go home. That's enough. But I'm wondering if we approach the presence of the Lord like she did or like Jairus did. Because we're here in Seek Week. But I want to ask you, how did you approach when you walked through the door? Did you come in here with intentionality like, Lord, if I could just get one touch? Or did you say, well, if Jesus shows up, maybe I'll touch him? Because what I thought was very interesting was there was a crowd of people and everybody is touching Jesus, but they're not receiving a touch. I'm confused. I said, Lord, there is a crowd of people and they're all touching you. But could it be that they didn't know who they were touching? Could it be that they didn't see him as Jesus? Could it be that they didn't recognize that what they were carrying, all they needed was to touch him with intentionality? That their posture would say, Lord, all I... I'm going too fast because I need to take this slow so we can go on a journey. She didn't even say if I could touch Jesus. She understood that he had a presence. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I I don't, I think y'all are missing this. There's a certain desperation that you have to have to want to touch the hem. The hem is the bottom. That means she had to get low. There's a certain desperation that you have when you are after Jesus. And the reality is the hem is at the bottom and behind. She said, Lord, you don't even got to see me. I just need to see you. How do you approach the presence of a king? I'm overwhelmed. 
by how a crowd of people, a crowd, a crowd, there's a crowd of people. And she, before she got to the crowd, she said, okay, I had this for 12 years, all right? I'm tired, all right? I don't have any more money because I have spent it elsewhere trying to get healed. Pause. How many of us have gone bankrupt emotionally, mentally, physically, because we're searching for the answer in other things and all we need is a touch from the king? I, I just, that one, that one was for free because that's, that's not where I was going with this. But there's a crowd. And she made up in her mind that all she needed to do was touch the hem of a, in a crowd. Because if there's a crowd, and also if I have an issue of blood and I've been bleeding for 12 years, I'm considered unclean, which means I can't touch anybody else. But I need to touch Jesus, which means she didn't care how anybody saw her. All she cared about was that I needed to touch the hem of his garment. All she did was touch his garment and he felt it. Power surged from him and they're touching him and rocking him and moving him. It's because there's no intentionality in it. How many times do we come into the house of God and because he shows up, then we want to touch. No, come in here seeking for the Father. A touch of the hem of his garment. I use the Passion Translation because there's a verse where it says, pressing in through the crowd. Him is under, but she pressed through, which means she's low. And so it, a crowd, I, I need a crowd. I'm sorry, I'm a visual learner. I need a crowd. Michael, I need you, come on. Let's make a crowd, really, really, really quickly. Really quickly. Come on, come on. That, all right, that's good. All y'all, all y'all, come on, come on. <laughs> Just make a crowd right here. Just make a crowd. I need a crowd. I'm sorry, I'm a visual learner, okay? Um, but turn that way. Thank you. All right. And um, Aaron, because you got hair like wool, you can be Jesus, all right? You can be Jesus. You can be Jesus. Yes, yes. Okay. So... I gotta get to Jesus, him of his garment. And here's the crowd. What I want you to do is identify what is your crowd. What is the thing you need to press through to get to Jesus? What is the thing that's blocking how you see him? What is the thing that makes me go, all right, God, I'm gonna go after you, but then there's a crowd. I'm gonna go the other way. Cause I'm the person who runs from crowds, especially in the world we live in right now today. We ain't trying to, we're not trying to do crowds. What is your crowd? What is your crowd? Could it, and let me help you bring it down. I'm gonna tell you about what my crowd was, right? It's like, man, Pastor John's teaching us about first. And bef you know, before feet hit the ground, gotta give the Lord our first. So I'm practicing that. Because my crowd used to be social media. And I'd be, wake up, and I'd hit Jesus with one of these. Thank you, Lord, I love you, Dad. How you doing? Boom, hit the scroll. <laughs> hit the scroll. Hit the scroll. But I need to, how, how? 
How can I call myself a child of the king, a person surrendered to the will and purpose and plan for his life and not consult with him before I take a breath? Why is not the first thing I do beyond a hello, dad, and thank you for waking me up? Why is it not, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? Lord, how about thank you for the breath that I have and the fingers that I have to scroll on Instagram? How can I, what, I need you to, I need you to consider what is your crowd? What is the thing that stops you from coming, when you come into church, from lifting your hands? Because oppress means I go beyond my, what I feel like doing. Oppress means I got to touch the hem of his garment. I'm unclean, but I need to break through a crowd of people who see me as less than. They don't even feel like I deserve to touch his presence. What is your crowd? Look at it. Because this is what our lives look like when we choose not to go after him. This is what our lives look like when we choose to just settle for that's enough. I'm, I'm cool with watching Jesus from afar. I'm cool with not having to surrender that thing that I've been doing that nobody knows about. I'm cool with seeing him from a distance because it doesn't require anything of me. I'm cool with seeing him, you know, through everybody else because the people that are in front of me have a closer view. So I'm cool with them, them seeing him and then them turning around and telling me who he is versus pressing through the crowd to touch him versus pressing through the crowd. What is your crowd? And can we acknowledge it today that it's been a crowd? I told you about one of mine. I told you about one of mine. Go ahead, write yours down. What is your crowd? And so I, I'm all off. I don't got no notes. I'm sorry, y'all. The Lord is flowing. All right. <laughs> the crowd is leaving. Y'all can't leave. Y'all got to be the crowd. Okay, you gotta be the crowd. Here's, here's the last thing about the crowd, all right? I was wondering why, it's Jesus, right? We know who Jesus is. We know he's the king of kings. We know that he is all-knowing. Why did he need to ask who touched him? Why did he need to, why did he need to know? Why did he need to identify her? The reality is he knew who touched him. He knew who touched him. Why did he need to make it a big deal? Why did he need to like call her out? Shorty was trying to hide. She was good. She was like, I already got my healing, Lord. I'm up out of here. Like, I'm good. She said she touched and instantly. She was like, I'm good. Why did he need, why did he need to know? Pastor Ann just taught us about what it means to partner with the Lord. The Lord needed a partner in this moment because let let us not forget that prior to this moment, Jairus falls at Jesus's feet and says, I have a 12 year old daughter who is near death and I need her to be healed. And Jesus is wasting a lot of time right now. Could you imagine Jerry Jairus? Like, uh, Lord, we, she, I said she about to die. She about to die. Not, not she about, like she about to die. She, like it was not a joke. And Jesus is like, who touched me? What? In a crowd of people? Are you asking this right now? Jerry, he says, who touched me? And then she recognized that she couldn't hide anymore. Then it says, she proclaimed in front of 
of the whole crowd. That all I needed to do was touch. Two, two things stood out to me. She needed to tell the crowd who was in the crowd. Cause they didn't know that Jesus was there. They didn't know. They were walking with a man. They all excited, talking about they've been waiting on him not to touch him, just to walk with him. They like, woo-hoo, we going to Jairus' house. Oh, we don't know what for, but we going, woo-hoo, we going. Just... <laughs> he needed, number one, for the rest of the crowd to recognize who he was. That he was a man who all you had to do was touch the him and get whatever it is that you need. Secondly, there's a man contending for the life of his daughter. And he needs to see that there's a man who didn't even have to touch her to be able to heal her from something that she was struggling with for 12 years. Talk about partnership. She was bleeding for 12 years and his daughter was 12 years old. At the moment she was born, she started bleeding so that these moments could collide and expose who Jesus really was. So I ask you, when you approach the presence of God, what's your posture? Are you walking with the king or are you looking to touch him? Because right after this moment happens, further along in the story, they come to tell Jairus that his daughter's dead. And Jesus looks at him and tells him, don't yield to fear, only faith. But what in Jairus could have kept him in a state of faith unless he saw a miracle right in front of his eyes? Pastor Aaron said, the theme of Seek Week is testimony. Let me help you that what you go through in life is not just for you. Someone's life depends on knowing that God brought you through it. Because in the middle of it, I feel like I can't see a way out. But if I happen to see you on the other side, I'll keep going through. I'll keep going through. And so I'm wrapping up. This is it. That's your perfect timing. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, here's the crowd. I need the crowd. It's the last moment for the crowd. I asked God, I said, God, how do you want to, what do you want to say? Like, what, what, what is it that you want us to take? And so he said, you know, we identified what our crowds were earlier. And the timing of this happening is before Jesus goes on the cross and dies and resurrects to life again. So for the people who were walking next to Jesus and touching him and not looking for a touch, they had a large crowd around them. In their crowd was the law, it was religion, it was their covenant with the idea of who they thought Jesus would be that they missed who he was. And they have all of that. So they, they, it's not that they don't want to touch. They can't properly see him. It's like, I can see you, but not beyond what I know, not beyond what I've been told I have to be in order to be able to see you, all of those things. And what he wanted me to tell you today is that all of those years ago, thousands of them to be exact, 
Jesus, he broke through the crowd. Oh, wow. And he came for you. And when back then they had to see him from a distance and see him through the veil, he broke through that and he's standing right with you. Amen. And the thing is, if there is a crowd surrounding you, it's space that you've created with your bad decisions, with your inability to see him properly. And guess what? He's still right there. And I told you last night, he'll break through to come and get to you. But if he does that and you're still clouded, you can't see him right. And so that's how you can walk into a moment where the presence of God is and you can just, cause you can't see him right. Because he's, he, everything, it exists within him. And I just want to challenge you. Can you change your posture of how you pursue the presence of the king? Can you shift your posture? Do you know that he has the, he's already done everything he's going to do? We are just waiting for it to manifest here on earth. It's our faith that activates the movement of God on earth. But if your posture is not right, you'll sit with things that don't belong to you. If you don't see him right, you'll take hold of things that he already died for. He already died for it. There is something that God wants to do through all of us, but our posture has to be right. Both Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, they fell to Jesus's feet. There is a humility about at his feet. There is a desperation that comes. It's like the times that we live in today should draw us to our feet because there is no other answer but Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today, but we got to see him right. We got to see him right. When he steps in the room, we honor him because how dare we treat it like it's common or it's casual. When the presence of God enters the room, it is precious. And oh God, if I only get one more moment with you, Lord, I'll honor it. I will honor it. It's not casual. We don't enter a worship space. We don't inhabit a worship space at our home, wherever it is, casually. He is the king of kings. There is a certain honor you have when a king enters the room. How dare we not honor the king of kings? How dare we come into a moment of worship and sit with our arms folded? And so what I, thank you. And what I I want us to do as we go into worship, I want us to open our hearts. First repent for not having the proper posture as we approach the presence of the king. We've all been guilty of it. Sometimes when you have so much of a good thing, you like, it's a sure thing. He is sure, but let's honor him. Let's honor him. And I also want to help you. So we're not, I'm not going to call you to the altar because I want you to learn how to do this at your home. We should know how to honor the presence of God wherever it goes. And the moment we do that, then we start to embody it and the presence goes with us. And wherever we go, people encounter Jesus because he's residing with us. 
The scriptures tells us when Jesus was baptized that a dove ascended and the spirit fell on him. But guess what? It remained. God, who do we have to be so that your spirit and your presence can remain? And so wherever you are over the, all over this room, if you could stand to your feet and lift your hands and get in a posture of reverence and honor and surrender because he's in this room and whatever you need is right there. All you have to do is press in, press in, press in. Open up your mouth and tell him who he is to you. Tell him who he is. They're just, let's erect a cry out to him. Lord, you're worthy. We honor you, Lord. Matchless is your name. Thank you, Lord, for removing the scales from our eyes and allowing us to see you for who you are, God. We thank you for your presence in this room, God. And we take a moment to honor you because you are worthy. You are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords. And there is no one like you. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Emmanuel. You are Yahweh. Lord, and we honor you. Yeah, open up your mouth. I know we're going to sing a song, but let's give him a song from our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, let this posture remain. Let this become our norm. Let this become what we, let every time we go towards your presence, God, give us a posture of if I only could get one touch. May there be a desperation as we pursue you. In Jesus' name.